chapter 3 this morning as we continue our, our uh, journey through the book of Titus. Um, as Titus, as Paul continues to write to Titus and, and give him instructions about how to help the church on Crete um, move forward with Titus absent, as Titus gets ready to leave. Um, and uh, chapter 3 basically begins with Paul urging Titus to remind the people of something. He's urging, them to, he's urging him to remind the people of something. And, uh, and basically, it's, he's, he's trying to help them understand the fact that one aspect of following God is fighting our tendency to forget. What sort of things do you use to remind yourself to do things? Do you have like, specific ways that you remind yourself? Maybe you use a sticky note. Maybe you put something on your phone. Sometimes I have to email myself to remind myself to do things. But uh, Paul is saying to Titus, you know, you need to remind the people that as you seek to follow Jesus, one of the, the tendencies is to, is to forget some important things. And so what is it that he doesn't want them to forget? So um, I'm going to read verses 1 to 11, but we're really just going to focus on verses 1 to 3 this morning. So listen to God's word as I read. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now as we look at these verses. We, we need you to speak to us. We pray that you would speak to us. We are counting on you by your spirit to speak that we would be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you can envision it, a few high school kids pull up in a van in the dark of night across the street from this humble home. And the home belongs to a kid that is often picked on. He's an outcast. He's considered a nerd by the other kids. The kids in the van are the popular kids, the cool kids. And this is the thing. They, every year at this time, they, uh, they pull this cruel prank where they, they fill a paper bag with, I don't, I don't even, I don't even want to tell you what's in there, but it's nasty, it's messy, it smells terrible. And they run up and they throw the paper bag at this kid's front door. And then they run away. And, and so this year, there's a new kid that's part of their group. His name's Ronnie. And... They're all, you know, in the back of the van. They have their faces painted, you know. They, they have all black clothes on, and they all egg Ronnie on. You do it, you do it, you do it. And so Ronnie gets out of the van, and he runs up, and he throws the bag at the door, and then he starts running away, 
And then a net falls from a tree on top of Ronnie and catches him. He falls to the ground. And then the kid who lives there jumps down from the tree. And as the kid, you know, kind of satisfied that he's caught this other kid who, who's just kind of vandalized their front door, uh, Ronnie stands up and the kid comes face to face with him and he realizes it's his best friend from childhood. Ronnie is staring at his best friend from childhood. See, Ronnie used to be a kid who sat at the outcast table at lunch. And uh, this, is, this is from a, a teen kind of 80s movie. If any of you guys recognize it, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. But uh, uh, this, this kid basically bribes the, the most popular girl in school to pretend to date him for a month. And he becomes popular. And he starts to, you know, dress differently and walk through the halls of the school with sunglasses. And everybody's talking to him. Everybody's paying attention to him. He thinks he's the, the center of the universe. And it changes him. And, and so it's brought him to this moment where he comes face to face with his old friend. He has forgotten who he used to be. He's forgotten where he came from. And it's produced all sorts of devastation and sadness and tragedy. Among other things, this teen movie from the 80s reminds us that it's dangerous to forget who you were. It's dangerous to forget where you came from. It can be damaging. It can be destructive for you and for those around you. It emphasizes the importance of humility in life in general. Uh, to, have a, to live a life that's lived well, it's important to have humility, to remember where you came from. To remember who you used to be um, can be an, a, a really helpful exercise in producing humility. And this is what Paul, I think, encourages Titus to help the people see in Crete in these first three verses, right? In the first two verses, he says, remind them to do these things, right? To be submissive to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. He goes on and on and on. And then he gives the reason in verse 3, right? In verse 3, he says, you should act this way for, because we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Paul's saying, Titus, remind the, the, the Christians in the church in Crete, don't forget who you used to be. Don't forget that, that you, were, you once were clueless. You were foolish. You were easily led. You didn't really know where the right way to go was without purpose. You had a hard time getting along with the people around you. You were hated, and, and you hate, hated one another. You had these humble beginnings. Don't forget that. Don't forget that you used to be a mess. Don't forget that you're not perfect. Don't forget that you're a sinner, disobedient. And, and the only difference between you and the rest of the world around you is, because, is what God has done in your life. And so for us, as we sit here this morning, there are some of us maybe who, who can look back on your life and, and look at a time when you didn't used to be a Christian and you can say, yeah, I, I was a fool. Others of us, maybe we've, we've maybe been Christians our whole life and we're, we're like, well, I don't know if I can remember a pinpoint of time when I, I, that there was a radical change, but... But the point is this, we need to, to continually remind ourselves of who we would be apart from the work of God. Who we would be apart from the work of God. We need to continually remind ourselves that, that apart from the work of God, who we would be is extremely humble, um, foolish, disobedient, led astray, right? And, and that is in, in, 
incredibly important. It's crucial for the way that 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 impacts how we interact with the world and with the people around us. Because this is the problem. if, If we forget who we are apart from what God has done, it has tragic effects. The first thing that it does is forgetting who we are, I mean, obviously, it makes us proud. When we forget that we are imperfect, when we forget that we are all sinners, it makes us proud. None of the things in verse 3 are things to be proud of, are they? None of them. Fools, rebels, easily led in the wrong direction. You might say clueless. Slaves with a lack of control over life. Right? Haters, haters being hated. Forgetting these things, forgetting the fact that, that this, is, this would describe every single one of us apart from God's work in our life produces all kinds of pride. Puffs us up. Keeps us from being, you know, puffed up. It, it, it's, it's a result of a pride that, number one, says you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do, right? If, if you're aware of your humble you know, beginnings or your hum- the, the, the humble aspect of who you are apart from what God does, then you're incapable of, verse 1, what he tells them to do, being submissive to rulers and authorities. You know? If you think that the universe revolves around you, if you think that all of your decisions are the, are the best decisions, then it's easy for you to be like, no, nobody has the right to tell me how to live. Over and over again, the Bible, in, in many different places, reminds us that it's important for us to learn to be submissive to those who are in authority over us. There's all sorts of authorities in our world, right? The, the civil authority, the government, in our families, you know, parents with children, in our, in our businesses, in our work world, we have people who have authority over us. Those, those who are younger go to school and you have teachers who have authority over you. And, and the Bible consistently, God consistently tells us, you know, that it's important to learn to submit to those who have authority over you. And I think the, the reason for this is because ultimately all of us need to learn that as creatures made in God's image, made by God, ultimately he has authority over us. And so every opportunity we have to interact with these small visible authorities in our lives are opportunities for us to learn what it means to inter- interact with, with God, the one who has ultimate authority over us. And the problem is, we, we tend to look at the authorities in our lives, and, and if we disagree with them, then we're like, nah, I'm, I'm not doing it, you know? Um, but if we can't obey and submit to authority that's visible in our lives, even when we disagree, then how are we going to be, be able to submit to God and obey him when we have trouble understanding or even agreeing with how he wants us to live, right? And I'm not saying that and, and when, it, when an authority figure in your life tells you to do something that is expressly against what God tells us not to do, that, that we shouldn't obey God first. But there's all sorts of areas where we're like, you know, I just disagree. I mean, look at the past year with the pandemic and the way that we interact with our government that some people do, right? Um, we have this tendency to be like, no, you don't have a right to tell me what to do. So forgetting who we were leads to a pride that says you can't tell me what to do it also leads to a pride that says you can't tell me i'm wrong you can't tell me i'm wrong one of the things that paul hits on is the command to avoid quarreling right in verse two he says speak evil of no one avoid quarreling if we forget that we apart from god's work in our lives to to 
help us to, to know what is right and wrong and true. Um, we are fools. We are limited in our understanding. We are weak. We all are in need of God and his work to help us to know what is true and what is best. But I think we, we tend to kind of forget that. We tend to think that we all know what is true and what is best. We all have the corner on truth, all of us. And that leads to quarreling. That leads to being like, I'm, I'm right, you're wrong, right? And the other person says, no, I'm right, you're wrong. It leads to quarreling and division. But when we remember that we are but dust, that we are frail, that we don't, we are not God, and so we don't have all of the answers, it, it engenders in us a, a deeper humility that says, I have something to learn from everyone else around me. I shouldn't be so quick to pronounce that they are wrong and I am right. And so forgetting who we were results in a pride that says, you can't tell me I'm wrong. Um, and lastly, forgetting who we were results in a pride that says, you know, don't tell me I'm not better. <laughs> don't tell me I'm not better than the people around me. In verse 2, he says, speak evil of no one, right? And then at the end of verse 2, it says, show perfect courtesy toward all people all people. When we forget that our condition is a humble one without the work of God, then, then it's the most natural thing for us to be able to put ourselves up here and other people down here. To look down on the people around us. To be quick to judge them. To be quick to criticize them. To think generally that I'm better than them. Or to focus only on the areas maybe that, that I can kind of prove that I'm better than them. And yet, he says, Speak evil of no one. Don't look down on anyone. Don't pick them apart. Show perfect courtesy toward all people, no matter whether you think they are deserving or not. Because you are no better. I mean, what does Paul say? It's interesting. He, he says, when he, when he reminds them of who, when he reminds the Cretans of who they were, don't miss this. In verse 3, he says, for we ourselves were once foolish, right? He includes himself in that group. None of us are better than anyone else. Paul says, I, you know, he's, he's not saying you were once foolish to the Cretans. He says, no, we were, all of us. And so it's important for us to remember that every single one of us, not, none of us is better than the other. And we need to be patient with one another. We need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Remembering, remembering who we were should make us humble. It should help us to see that we are no better than anyone else. It should highlight the opportunity that we have to care for other people around us. Um, it should make us kind of other-centered. Other uh, I, I remember seeing a story not that long ago about a, a soccer player named Sadio Mane who plays for Liverpool. and He's one of the, one, one of the really great soccer players in the world. And, and uh, it's interesting. He, he makes, you know... Millions and millions of dollars because he's so good. But it's funny, there's pictures of him as he walks through an airport one time with, a, with an iPhone that's cracked. He's got this cracked iPhone. And one, one interviewer is talking to him one time. He's like, you know, why, why don't you repair your iPhone? You've got all of this money. Why don't you spend it on that? You know, it'd be easy. I mean, you, you can spend your money on all sorts of things. And this is what he said. He says, why would I want to repair my iPhone? Why would I want 10 Ferraris, 20 diamond watches, and two jet planes? What would that do for the world? 
I starved. He's from Senegal. He says, I starved. I worked in the fields. I played barefoot. I didn't go to school. Now I can help people. I prefer to build rather than to focus only on myself. You know, and it's because he had a real sense of where he came from, that he was no better than anyone else. And it moved him to care for people, as, as, he, as he says in here, to be ready for every good work, right? To be moving towards people rather than judging them, to see himself as equal with other people in order to care for them. So forgetting who we are makes us proud in all those different ways. Um, forgetting who we, we were also makes us plain. It makes us plain. It seems that one of the reasons Paul addresses these things in verses 1 and 2 is that the, the Christians in Crete were probably acting like everybody else in Crete. You know, they, they were being, um, they, they were maybe causing problems with the authorities. They were judging one another. They weren't doing good works. They were, they, they were quarreling with one another, right? And so that's why he has to say this. They were acting like everybody else in the world. They were just kind of blending in with the rest of the people in Crete, not standing out. And part of it is because they've forgotten who they'd been and what God had done to change their lives. The way that we live and treat people and love them should highlight the grace that we have received and put a spotlight on God's grace. Remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at a verse, a few, a few verses before this, where it says that, that we're called to adorn the work of God, our Savior, right? We're called to adorn it. We're called to, to highlight what God has done. And when we forget our sin, when we forget the fact that we are imperfect, when we forget that we all fall short, it's very easy to just kind of blend in with the rest of the world and not stand out. Have you ever seen one of those black and white photographs where they just take one thing in the photograph and they, and they make it in, in like vivid color, like a red rose or something against the re- everything else is in black and white? Um, that's how we should stand out as a people. And yet when we forget who we were and we forget the work of God in our lives, it ends up producing the sort of people who just act plain, who don't stand out who act like everyone else. And finally, forgetting who we were makes us praiseless. Not only is it important to remember that God has, uh, th- that what, what God has done for us to bring about greater humility towards others that stands out in the world, it's important to recognize that all those things that he mentions in verse 3 are no longer true of us because of what God has done. So this is, this is why it's so dangerous to forget where we would be without the work of Jesus. When we forget our need when we forget our foolishness apart from his work, then it prevents us from being able to appreciate and savor the fact that Jesus Christ is God's wisdom for us. When we forget that we were slaves to our sin, then it becomes impossible for us to to recognize that it's only Jesus, by redeeming us through his work on the cross, that sets us free. That redeems us and sets us free. When we forget that we've been, we've been led astray all our lives and going in all sorts of different directions, we, we miss the fact that he is the great shepherd who leads us towards green pastures and quiet waters. To remember our sin and our helplessness apart from Christ helps us to see the sufficiency of Christ, the worthiness of Christ. When we remember what he has brought us out of, it moves us to delight in who he is. And so it's, it's crucial that we remember where would we be if it wasn't 
for God working in our lives. Where would we be? So how do we keep from forgetting? And I think it's the same answer we come back to every single week. The way that we keep from forgetting our own frailty and our own weakness and our own sin is by continually coming back to look at the cross of Jesus. Because the cross would not be necessary if it wasn't for our sin and our disobedience and our foolishness. It wouldn't have been necessary. Jesus wouldn't have had to die if we weren't so turned in our, on ourselves. He wouldn't have had to die if we, hadn't, if we hadn't disrupted our relationship with God and our relationship with people around us. The cross is the thing that reminds us that, that, that apart from his work, we would all be a mess. And so we need to focus on the cross. We need to meditate on the cross and what Jesus Christ has done for us there every day of our lives, over and over again. Remember, it is the cross that shows us the wisdom of God, the power of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God in the face of our need and our rebelliousness and our self-centeredness. It's the cross that moves us towards humility. It's the cross that demands that we don't settle for a life that is plain, but a life that stands out in full color, reflecting what God has done in his grace toward us. And so let's continue to remind ourselves when we wake up in the morning as we live throughout our days let's you know write it on sticky notes put it on a reminder in your phone maybe send emails to yourself about it continue to come back to the cross and think about what jesus has done for us there that we might become a people who are more humble who are more aware of our frailty and our weakness and our sin and then out of that, that we might become people who, who care for other people better, who love other people well. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us this morning as we think about what you have done for us at the cross. Father, we pray that you would help us to build our lives upon your love that is displayed for us there. A love that says, while you are still sinners, I will die for you. Father, we pray that you would shape our hearts. That we would be more attuned with our imperfections and our failures. That we would be more patient with people around us. That we would be more forgiving and, and gracious toward the people around us. That we would be more, more ready to listen and, and understand and, and learn from people around us. Father, we pray that you would work in us a deeper humility. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.